Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Just like they said, my name is Lyndon. Yes, I'm one of the leaders here. I got to fix this stand. Matt doesn't put it right. There we go. (laughs) Tony, yeah. Anyway, my name is Lyndon, one of the leaders here at Lighthouse Vineyard. And on behalf of the leadership here, thanks so much for coming out. They announced it earlier, but if you're new with us, this is great. Thank you so much for your time this morning and trusting it with us. This is, there's a lot of cool people here. I love them all, and uh, I know you would too if you'd, you'd hang around. So if you were thinking, well, where's the lead pastor? I was kind of hoping to hear him. Sorry, not today. Next week, if you come again, then you can. Clint and his wife, Rose, are at a church planters conference. And so they're enjoying that. We're going to be praying for them, lifting them up, and I'm sure they're having a great time. We do miss them, but life does go on, and it has to go on without them. So anyway, last week, Rose taught on, what did she teach on? A source of strength in a message titled, Replenish, Finding Our Strength in the Lord. We discussed how we should go to the Lord for our strength because, number one, he has an endless supply, and because... Number two, he will give us exactly what we need. I really appreciated her message. I got a really good nugget from it. I encourage you all, if you haven't listened to it, check it out. We make that available, everything you can listen to on our webpage, lighthousevineyard.church. So this morning we're talking about treasure and what comes to your mind when you think of the word treasure. For me, treasure hunt. A treasure hunt. That's always fun, right? I've done treasure hunts as a kid. My mom would like to get us out of the house. I don't blame her. To get us out, to get some fresh air, she would set up something for us. The, the treasure at the end wasn't much, maybe a sandwich or something like that or a cookie, but it was fun. Man, was it fun. The hunt of finding that treasure. And we would imagine it was bigger than it was, but hey, it was fun, okay? There are apps out there. Does anyone have the app Geocaching? Yeah, I hear a whoop, whoop. I saw one anyway. Do you use it? Okay, it's fun. Okay. I, I don't, I'm not familiar with it, but I can see that it looks like it's kind of fun. This is an interactive app you can get download and go out and do some treasure hunting. So what else comes to mind when we think of treasure? Maybe gold. Ohio State football? Hmm. Not me, Steve. Uh, <laughs> maybe pirates. Arr. Or, um, yeah, fun stuff. Uncle Donald's money bin. Remember DuckTales? <laughs> I don't care. So I has no idea what I'm talking about. So there's some movies. And a lot of movies have treasure in them. And they're fun, right? And it's, it's amazing. Like, if you think about how many movies have treasure as the focus. And this is a quest for treasure. Maybe all of them in some form or fashion. But we're going to do a little pop quiz here. See if you know what these are. This first one's really hard, so if you don't give it, if you don't get it, that's okay. So what's the first one? Yeah, oh, that wasn't that hard, right? Yeah. No, everybody should know Aladdin. If you don't watch it, it's great. It's one of my favorites. I've seen it many, many times, probably too many times. Next one. Which one? Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, good, good. Does it work when he puts the sandbag there in place of it? No, big, big, scary things happen after that. Okay, next one. 
Nice, nice, good. I'm not even sure I would have known it, but I knew it because I searched for it. And I have watched the movie. I think it's fun. It's a fun movie. Very unrealistic, but so much fun. It's uh, the idea of treasure and seeking for treasure and finding treasure. Your lifelong pursuit for treasure is awesome. It's exciting. These movies have some big consequences as well for the folks, for some folks that are searching for the treasure, right? I mean, how cool would it be to find a real working magic lamp that actually has a genie in it that comes out and grants us three wishes? Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be fun? Or that you find a room or a cavern full of billions of dollars worth of treasure that, wow, now it's, everyone knows that I found this, I discovered this. It's exciting. So, those are fake movies, and those are, they're real movies, but they're, they're not real stories. It's not, as, as, that is fiction, but something that is going on today, a real-world treasure hunt. I'm not sure if many have heard this. People in the first service haven't really heard of it, but uh, there's a guy by the name of Forrest Fenn. Has anyone heard of him? All right, one person. Okay, so we're going to let you all in, the rest of the, y'all in the secret here. Forrest Fenn, about 10 years ago, he put something out there that is causing all kinds of fun for the ages. Okay, so a little backstory. Forrest and his wife are collectors. They just love to collect stuff, and they have amassed an amazing plethora of items and expensive, valuable items, right? So quite the fortune. And Forrest, long story short, he actually was going to die. He thought he was going to die. I think he had cancer or something. And so he thought, well, I'm just going to take some treasure, and I'm going to go out, bury it, and die beside it. Someone can find it. Another long story short, he didn't end up dying, but he liked that idea, and he wanted people to have some kind of a vim and vigor. I'm going to go find this. So he did take a chest. He packed it full of some cool stuff, some jewels and some gold. Who knows what else? I don't know, maybe a few fidget spinners. And he put it (laughs) somewhere in the Colorado Rockies. Last I checked, the Colorado Rockies are quite large, okay? It's not just like one little place. It's everywhere throughout the United States. That is somewhere out there. This is real. This is going on. And what he did is he, took a, he made a riddle, and he published this riddle for all to see, all to read. You can find it online. And that gives us, supposedly, all the information we need to know to find his treasure. This is the real deal. People are looking for this all the time. and have been doing it for more than 10 years. They still have not found it. And it's quite, quite the thing. Actually, four people have died trying to find it. It is nuts. Um, but yeah, it's real. It's fun. It's exciting. People are pursuing this treasure. Oh, if only I could find it. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about treasure as well. And uh, I was actually pretty surprised to read this, but as I was looking into it and studying for this, I realized that about 500 verses in the whole Bible talk about prayer, okay? And about 500 verses in the Bible talk about healing, all right? How many verses in the Bible talk about treasure and money and possessions? About 2,000. So that says to me that, hey, this is a big deal. God knows we're dealing with this. Let's talk about it. So that's what we are going to discuss today is treasure, money. Matthew 6, 19 through 24, Jesus is talking about 
treasure and the differences between earthly and heavenly treasures. This is what he says. In verse 21, he says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Then in verse 24, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Oof. It's one or the other, right? That might sound a little blunt. Jesus shook things up. He ruffled feathers when he was here on this earth. He came and he was peaceful and loving and kind and he saved. But man, while he was here, he ruffled some feathers. He told things like it was. He told the truth. He's saying right there, you cannot serve both God and money at the same time. You cannot. Money is a big deal. How do we handle it? What do we do with it? I can guarantee everyone in this room has at least something to your name. We live in the United States, okay? It might be a little, it might be a lot, I don't know, but we have it. What, what do we do with it? We're going to talk about that today. Today, if you have your Bibles and you would like to follow along, you can turn to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians is in the New Testament. If you're not sure where it is, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, and the books of the Corinthians are right there. Help you find it a little easier. It's also going to be on the screens behind me. Um, it's first, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. These are some of my personal favorite money verses. I think they're so good. And a little backstory to these particular verses right here. Jesus is reminding, sorry, Paul. Jesus isn't talking here. Paul is reminding the Corinthians of their initial commitment, their financial commitment that they had made to the church in Jerusalem. So that's why he's writing these verses right here. And this is what he says. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Man, that's good stuff. So with all that in mind, the title of today's teaching is Financial Freedom, Trusting God with the Money He's Given Me. It's a message about how we're supposed to handle our finances, our money, our treasure. So before we get into it, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that we are a part of a very blessed nation. Compared to the rest of the world, we are very rich. God, help us to know how to handle our finances with whatever you've given us and continue to give us. Give us wisdom and direction to know how to channel the, channel the resources that we have. I pray, God, that you would speak to us this morning. Use these words to minister to our hearts. May your Holy Spirit flow. In your name we pray. Amen. So if you'd like to follow along in your handouts, uh, we've got a, one point here. I only have two today. The first one is, when it comes to our money, we should give big. 
Give big. Do you know that we're called to be generous? It's a calling in our life to be generous. We read about it again. Let's read it. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Does anyone like the garden? Anyone? Yeah, okay. A couple people, yes, we like gardening. Garden's fun. Okay, think of a, think of a plot of soil that you might have at home, right? And it's perfect soil for gardening. You actually did some tests. You did some, sent some soil samples in to the soil sample people, whoever they are. They sampled your soil. They send you the results back. You've got perfect pH in your soil, whatever, to have perfect growing capabilities. Okay, how much sense would it make then, knowing all that, to take one little radish seed, plant that in the ground? What are you going to get? Maybe one radish plant. Maybe one and a half or two, depending on the craziness of the seed, right? But science kicks in. You sow a little, you reap a little. On the reverse, if you sow that garden full, plant till your heart's content. More than likely, you're going to reap a lot more than if you've only sowed just a little bit. It's the basic science of it all. It's economics, right? Anyone like economics? Anyone have it? No. Maybe anyone have a calculator on you? We all have calculators on our phones if you have it. Yeah, I struggle with economics too. I'm not saying you struggle with it, but anyway, I'll stop. You just said you didn't like it. Um, A quick summary of the law of returns is the greater the investment, the greater the return is, with a few variables, of course. But generally, that's the idea. Now, there's a sacrifice with an investment. I know know a lot of you, some of you in here are investors. You've invested in some businesses and things like that, and that's awesome. I admire that. But you know full well that when you invest some money into a business, you know that it's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice that you're not sure exactly on the return. Okay, Like if you'd invest in the stock market, or your 401k, or your bank, or your mattress, wherever you put your money, that, that's a risk, all right? That's the risk of a little bit of a sacrifice or a lot of a sacrifice. There's risk there. Generally is. You know, it's not that way, however, with our sacrifices to God. It is always a safe investment. Even though it may not feel like it at the time. Trust me. Here's another verse. Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Anyone know the guy by the name of John Chapman? Johnny Appleseed, maybe? Yeah, there we go. I didn't know his name was John Chapman until I looked it up. But uh, Johnny Appleseed, what did he do? He sowed. Jeremy. There you go. But he didn't put an apple tree in the ground. No, he sowed the apple seeds. And he sowed lots of apple seeds, right? Lots of them. He didn't just sow a couple. That's all he did. It's like, wow. That's not all he did. He probably did some other things. But he reaped what he sowed. Generations to come later reaped what he sowed. Again, it's the science of it. Another verse on the measure we use when sowing. Jesus is talking in Luke 6.38, and he says, Give, 
and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Wow. So imagine, so I'm thinking of, okay, what was Jesus meaning there? Pressed down, and shaken down, and running over. I think more along the lines of saying like in the market, if you go and you wanted to buy some figs, let's say, and you ask for X amount of figs, and when they're measuring those figs for you, they don't just kind of fill it up until it's just kind of the top and give it back. But they take those figs and they, they press them down into that measure to make sure, and they put some more in and make sure that you got tons of figs. You get more than what you really thought you were getting. Or with grain, you ask for some grain, and they take that measure and they scoop it in, and they shake that, that measure, they shake it, they make sure that all the grain gets down in and fills the entire measure and then it's overflowing and heaping when they give that back to you. That's not terribly normal, okay? But that's what Jesus is saying here when he's saying that's the kind of good measure giving back, given back to you with the measure that you use, okay? King David understood the importance of, a, of the cost of our sacrifice. Okay, there's a cost to a sacrifice, right? So at one point in David's life, he needed to make a sacrifice for his sins and the sins of the Israelites. And so he went to a man who's a Jebusite by the name of Arana. I might be butchering his name, but Arana, something like that. And he said, Arana, I want to buy your threshing floor so that I can make a sacrifice to God for my sins and the sins of the Israelites. And Arana was humbled. He said, wow, um, here, here's my threshing floor. Just take it. And, and here, here, take this too. You can have it. And this, it's all yours. Just take it. Whatever. And this is how David responded. 2 Samuel 24, 24. The NIV says, But the king replied to Arana, No, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. And the message version says, but the king said to Arana, no, I've got to buy it from you for a good price. I'm not going to offer God my God's sacrifices that are no sacrifice. Wow. See, David understood the importance of giving big. He knew the importance of the sacrifice. Yo, when we sacrifice to God, out of whatever we have, when we make a sacrifice to God, he notices it does not go unnoticed. I guarantee it. Anyone ever hear of a man by the name of Danny Thomas? Yeah, right on. Yep, the younger generation in here probably has never heard of him. I'm not going to say the older generation because you're not old, but the ones who aren't quite as young are going to know him more. So Danny Thomas was a comedian, actor, um, a singer, etc., his lifespan was from 1912 to 1991. Pretty cool guy. found this really neat story about him. I'm going to read that right now. Danny Thomas lost his life savings of $600 at a time when he was out of work. He and his wife, Rosie, had a baby on the way, and they needed money. Danny worked at part-time jobs so Rosie could buy groceries. He also borrowed money from friends. It was a tough time in his life. A week before the baby was born, Danny had the grand total of $7.85 to his name. 
What would he do? My despair led me to my first exposure to the powers of faith, Danny would, Danny would later recall. On Sunday morning, Danny went to church. When the offering plate was passed, he put in his usual $1. But something unexpected happened that day. A special missions offering was taken. Uh-oh. The priest explained where the mission offering would go. And Danny felt he had to give something. I got carried away, Danny said. And I ended up giving up my $7. He'd given away all his money that Sunday. What in the world had he done? Later, he walked up to the altar rail, got on his knees and prayed aloud, Look, I've given my last seven bucks. I need it back tenfold because I've got a kid on the way. And I have to pay the hospital bill. He went home with a mere 85 cents in his pocket, all the money he had in the world. You won't believe this, Danny Thomas later wrote, but the next morning, the phone rang in the rooming house hall. It was a job offer. He was offered a part in a commercial. The job wasn't much, but the pay was good. $75. I literally dropped the telephone receiver. First I whooped with joy. Then an eerie feeling came over me. He remembered what he had prayed at church the day before. The $75 fee, he said, unheard of for me at that time, was almost exactly 10 times the amount of money I had donated to the church. Remember how I said God notices? He prayed, I need it back tenfold. God said, okay, I'll make it that and then some. 75 was more than tenfold. Wow. How cool is that? See, God gives us the strength and the know-how to make money and earn money and have our possessions. He does. But I'll tell you, without God, we're nothing. Okay? You might be thinking, well, that's mine. I, I earned it. Where would you be if it wouldn't be for God? I wouldn't be here for starters. But So what if you picture this basketball as our money, our possessions. If we think about this as our treasure, what God has given us, okay, what if that's the way we look at it? And the act of bouncing this ball is our act, is our effort, is related to our effort of our sacrifice, right? What happens when we take this ball and we, we don't put any effort into it? Bounce is back, but barely, right? It's more of an effort in the recoil than in our effort at the beginning. If we take this, this amount, this money that we have that God's given us, and we put a little bit of effort into it, just a little, ooh, that came right back. That's awesome. Okay. All right. I see what you're doing, God. All right. Well, then... Oh, wait a minute, that's more. Okay, I'm trusting you, God. I'm going to put a little bit of effort into this. Came right back. That's not supposed to happen, but it, but it does. Wow. Okay. Think about it that way. Then, if you're in Danny Thomas's shoes, and you make an unwise financial decision, earthly thinking, I'd have been thinking, what am I doing giving up my 
life savings when I've got a baby on the way. But he did it trusting God. He knew he was supposed to, and he put a lot of effort into it. What happens then? We might just get blown away with what God wants to do in return. And more, right? Write this down. Being generous with our finances is the best investment we can make. Please hear me out. My intention this morning is not at all to preach prosperity gospel. Okay, The intent is not, hey, you need more money, give more. Give more, you get more. Sweet, get rich. Nope, that's not what I'm getting at. John 16.33, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. He says, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. In spite of our future troubles, not our potential troubles, but our future troubles, as Jesus tells us, right? We should still be generous with our finances. Again, it's the best investment we can make. It is. And I'll explain more of that later on, okay? So that's point number one. When it comes to our money, we should give big. Point number two in your handouts, when it comes to our money, we should make a plan. 2 Corinthians 9.7 says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. That word decided. That means that, means that we've made a, we've, we have a decision, right? We've made a plan. We're thinking about it. We're thinking about it ahead of time. Planning ahead is important. Planning ahead is, is a lot easier if we have the right tools. Tools are important. Okay, just, you know, tools are awesome. Some guys really love their tools. <laughs> um, Tim Allen, the tool guy, right? Uh, Binford. Ugh. So like uh, if you got mechanics in the room, you like your wrenches. I don't know if you like Snap-on or Mac or whatever you like. But you got to have those wrenches to turn those nuts, those bolts to fix that car, right? You wouldn't think of doing it without tools, you know? Or a machinist needs a lathe to make a bolt. Whatever. Whatever that job is, you need tools to do your job. So just thinking about the, the idea of tools, well, in my mind, a budget is an awesome tool to use for planning ahead and planning your money. My man, Seth Berkey, he's in the other service, but he, and you heard about it uh, with our announcements this morning. Again, uh, we're gonna, we have the opportunity to uh, have an awesome tool in our tool belt by taking Financial Peace University. That's pretty neat. My wife and I are signed up for that. We're excited. Um, I know we have some stuff to learn, a lot to learn, okay? And I know he's probably going to talk about the importance of a budget in there. And in our budget, something that we do, my wife and I, the first thing that comes out of the budget is our tithe. And tithe, if you're not sure, tithe actually in Hebrew means a tenth part. Oh, that's 10%. There is a, there's a number there. So we take the tenth and we take that set that aside 
And that's God's first, whether it's church, blessings, fund, whatever, or more. And then when it's out, and that's first, then later when we're paying the rest, we don't, it's not a debate whether we have enough to give to the church. It's a debate whether we have enough to go out to eat. That's the thing. So it comes out first. The budget is helpful. Don't get me wrong. A tithe can feel like a tall order at times. If I stop and think about how much money that adds up to over the years, and where I could maybe put that elsewhere oh, to save or spend, it's better to just not think about it. But I'm just saying, I'm just being real, it's not always easy. The rest of 2 Corinthians 9, 7 goes like this. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Can you imagine um, anyone having a birthday, right? We all have birthdays. Does anyone have a birthday today? I wasn't going to sing you a happy birthday anyway, but if you have a birthday and someone gives you a gift, how would you feel if when they give you that gift, they give it to you and say, here, take it, see if I care. Didn't want to do it anyway. I know for me, I'd be like, I don't even think I want this. I mean, I'm not even sure I'm going to open it. No, you take it. Sounds silly, right? But is it that way when we are giving God our finances? When we are giving God our, our, our offering, our tithe? Here, take it. Don't want to give it to you anyway. Maybe God's saying, dude, I don't want that. Change your heart. Whew, that hits home. And that's another reason here at Lighthouse, we'll announce every, every morning that that's... We don't pass a plate. One of the main reasons is we, we don't want people to give because they feel like they have to or because, oh, this guy, ooh, 20? Oh, I can give 30. You know, or give what you've decided in your heart. And that comes by make, having a plan. It, it will help that. Just so you know, the attitude is the most important part. Attitude is so much more important than the amount. the attitude in which we give. Remember what Jesus said there? Or I keep saying Jesus. It is Jesus. It's his words. Paul says, for God loves a cheerful giver. Oof. What is my attitude when I'm giving my amount? Small or big? So planning out our giving makes it easier. So again, that's point number two. When it comes to our money, should make a plan. I'm going to invite Krista and John Michael to make their way up for a closing song. While they're doing that, have you, so another word picture. Have anyone ever taken their kids to a restaurant and bought them French fries? If you don't have kids, maybe you bought French fries for maybe a little, little cousin or nephew or something. You bought them French fries, and here you go. Okay, and if you're just like me or most other people, it's like, you're kind of expecting them to share those little french fries with you. I might have to take some or, hey, hey, bud, can I have some french fries? You know, I'm not asking for all of them. No, maybe just a couple. 
Maybe more than three. I don't know. Karis, what do you think? But it, if my child's response is going to be, no, these are my French fries. My reaction to that is going to be, fine, give them back. If you don't get any, I'm going to give them to someone else. Or maybe I'll just eat them all myself. Or next time, maybe we're not getting French fries with that kind of, kind of attitude. See, it's so easy, it's so easy to forget the fact that I bought them the French fries. They have them because I gave them to them, right? They didn't just magically make their own French fries. See, I'm watching for their returned generosity. See, it's just like that with God and us. You know, our finances, our possessions that we have. How are we holding on to them? How are we looking at these finances? Are we willing to, if God asks us for some french fries for whatever portion of our finances, are we going to hold on to it like this and be the ball hog? Or are we going to say, okay, here, it's yours, God. One of my favorite phrases about finances it's by Corey Ten Boom. She has a number of them. This is one of my favorite. I have learned to hold all things loosely so God will not have to pry them out of my hands. Man, that's good. That's some good wisdom right there. Love that. So remember earlier in my message when I said being generous with our finances is the best investment we can make. It's not the best investment we can make due to the probability of being financially blessed in return. That's not the reason that it's the best investment we can make. It's the best investment we can make because it's an act of surrender. That's what God wants. He wants us to be willing to surrender what we have to Him. So right now, as we close up the message time and before we move into ministry time, Krista and John Michael are going to be playing a song called Surrender. It kind of gives it away, but, but it's, it's one of my favorite songs. It's kind of an old one. We need to surrender all we are and all we have to Him. When, we're, when we sing, you're welcome to sing along or just listen to the words, whatever you want. Just soak them in. But before they sing, let's pray. Father, you are God. And without you, we are nothing. God, we ask that you would touch our hearts this morning. Give us the prodding that we need to make any necessary changes in our lives to not hold on so tightly to our possessions, but to know and admit the fact that we're nothing without you here. Surrender it all. Take it. Work in our hearts, God. Use us. We want to be vessels that are moldable.
Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofvineyard.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.